Hello everyone, welcome to the Hyderabad Hiccup. I'm Kritarj Chha. And I'm Saurav Sengupta. And today we have a special episode for you. So originally we decided this episode of Hydre Ishq would be recorded on Valentine's Day uh, at a live event at Terrasen Cafe in Hyderabad with our lovely guest Gopal from Hyderabad Trails. How you did that go Saurav? <laughs> yeah, you of course know about it if you've uh, been a follower of our Instagram page which I'm assuming <laughs> you haven't been. But we did release a poster which said Hyderabad Hiccup Live and we were very proud of it. Hyderabad Hiccup Live with Hyderabad Trails. But it did not turn out to be something that we really could put on our, on the, eventually could publish is what I'm trying to say. Yes. It really didn't turn out to be something we could publish. Yeah, we had a very nice live event. Unfortunately, we had technical issues and we couldn't put that episode out. Yeah. So we couldn't salvage anything literally. Could we, Kritat? No, we couldn't. So, here we are doing the episode again because we think there are lots of love stories from Hyderabad that you would like to listen to. And um, yeah, so here you have it. Um, so, let's dive right in. Yes. Uh, so now, the legend of Hyderabad, right? Uh, the of legend of the foundation the of foundation Hyderabad. The foundation of Hyderabad. So the foundations of Hyderabad itself are based on love, right? In the late 1500s, it said, it said that this young prince fell in love with a young Hindu peasant girl. Now, this young prince was Muslim. The, the peasant girl was obviously Hindu. Her name was Bhagmati. His name was Muhammad Kuli Kutub Shah. Now, he came from one of the richest dynasties in India at the time. And he fell in love with someone who was not of royal blood, who was not from the same religion, but whom he was intensely uh, passionate about. To quote Narendra Luther, his passion was such that um, on a stormy night when the river was in spate, this is the Musi River, he jumped his horse into the river unmindful of the risk or to his life just to keep his rendezvous. Now, in response, his father, who was like, oh God, this kid is in love, uh, <laughs> went and built a bridge over the river. For his 14-year-old son who's in love. For his 14-year-old son. So this, this Hindu peasant girl lived in the village called Chichlam, which was across the river Musi, the, the river on which eventually the city of Hyderabad came to be established. And across this river, his father built a bridge so that he could go and meet her safely. Now, sort of. So this is the late 1500s. Yeah. At the same time, exactly. in Delhi, Akbar is being really mean to his son, Salim, who's being also... Being Yeah. <laughs> who's Essentially. Who's, who's also fallen in love with an Arkali, you know, presumably in a very similar situation. Uh, but why is he being a dick, though? He's being a dick because... <laughs> can we really say that? We'll We've said it now. <laughs> no, but he, he, he really is being so. And that is because Anarkali is this woman who's from a different religion. Essentially. It's, it's, is it only because of that? Different religion, different class. Oh, class. A bunch of different factors. Yeah. I think she was older as well. But uh, I don't remember my Mughalayasam very well, sort of. Yeah. Uh, so you can pr probably go and watch it. But uh, do, do, do that after this episode, maybe. And but essentially, Ibrahim uh, 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 Kuli Shah, his, is not his father of uh, this young prince, is pretty chill about it, to say yeah. the least. Well, this is a legend, so we don't know if it's historical fact or not. But in this legend, he's pretty chill about it. Yes. And to know, know why, we have to trace uh, back and perhaps even go through the genealogy of the Kuli Shahis or the Shahis as they call themselves. So uh, we have to remember that the... 
Qutubshahi kingdom was established by Sultan Kuli, who was a governor in the Bahamani Sultanate. And he broke away from the Bahamani Sultanate and established the Qutubshahi dynasty uh, over the kingdom of Golconda. The kingdom of Golconda was there. Sorry? Sorry, so the Bahamanis were a kingdom in the south? Yes. Do you know where the Bahamanis were from? I think you know. I think you told me where they were from. No, if I have told you, I hope you remember because I don't. <laughs> I think I think uh, even the Bahamanis have a similar story. Like I know I don't I do not think I really know that the Bahamanis uh, really had a diff- same similar story from the Qutub Shahis, as in they just broke away from the Tughlaqs. Ah, right? oh Muhammad right. Muhammad bin Tughlaq being the last sort of t- uh, proper Tughlaq emperor, and the founder of the Bahamani Empire sort of broke away from him and started his own dynasty. So all, you just had one company and <laughs> really nice people jumping out of it and start starting their own startups <laughs> with what little funding they could manage. And in, in the case of Golconda, it was in the way of diamond mines. Wow. That's like five rounds of funding rolled into one, right? <laughs> There's a spin-off. <laughs> you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you really cut through a lot of rounds of funding. But yeah, so that's what Kuli Kutubshah does. And he has a brilliant round of funding to start out with. And he establishes uh, what's known as the Kutubshah dynasty. But after him, you have uh, another dick. <laughs> I'm just going to keep using that maybe. Uh, you have something, someone called Jamshed, who's his third son and who sort of snatches the throne from his father by killing him, by killing his elder brother. Uh, but as fate would have had it in a weird uh, way of uh, revenge, uh, Jamshed doesn't rule f- for too long. He rules for about seven years. After which uh, a person called en- Enul Mulk is called from Aurangabad to serve as regent and to p- prepare his son, Jamshed's son, Shubhan, for the throne. But uh, Shubhan dies the same year. So fate is really having at it. Uh, but uh, after this, Ibrahim Kuli Qutub Shah, who's incidentally the second brother. You remember, Jamshed was the third son of uh, Sultan Kuli. Uh, Ibrahim Kuli Qutub Shah is right now at Vijayanagar Empire. And he's living, it's said that he's living in exile, but I think we can safely conclude that he's just run away seeking asylum from his murderous brother who's just killing anybody and everybody he finds who could take his place on the throne. So Ibrahim all this while has been staying in Vijayanagaram Empire where he's taken a keen interest uh, into the languages, of, into the language of Telugu and the ways of living uh, lifestyle, culture, traditions of the people in the Telugu land. And that is the land of the Vijayanagaram Empire. Now, Ibrahim has been living there and he receives a call. He says that there's nobody uh, to take the throne and it's now rightfully yours uh, by birth and you can come take it. And with Jamshed out of the way, Ibrahim really has no reason <laughs> not to go back. Right, So he goes back, but his rule is a very in- encouraging one, is a really uh, interesting one because he uh, patronizes Telugu and therefore uh, uh, encourage, encourages the learning and writing of Telugu, makes sure that Telugu, poet- Telugu and Urdu poetry, but essentially we speak of Telugu a lot over here, is, it's because he's just patronizing this completely new language. Uh, we can even go ahead and call it a Hindu language of sorts because it's from a Hindu empire and he's making sure that uh, uh, people learn that language. So now what does that does is it brings in a lot many more cultures in that same land of Golconda uh, which the three kings before him 
two rather uh, didn't do and it's an advent of uh, syncretism uh, in the deccan culture and uh, that is why perhaps Ab- ibrahim kulikutub shah isn't like akbar to answer your question yeah so he's he's and really more open to diverse opinions and diverse opinions. because he's he stayed in vijayanagar kingdom for a lot of his life yeah. he's imbibed that culture he's got it back to him uh, when he comes to rule so that's why and he just understood that cultures no matter how different eventually just galvanize like galvanizes yeah. the an empire and like just there's this a lot of intermingling and you really can't tell the difference and uh, he realizes that and and uh, is therefore completely all right with his son going and meeting this woman who's older than him who's from a different religion who's from a different class she's definitely not from royalty yeah. right uh, narendra luther calls her a peasant woman we also hear that she could have been a public woman in one of the shiva temples uh, along the mosi river but irrespective irrespective of that she was not anywhere close to what maybe ibrahim would want his son to be dating with yeah dating but still he was he was uh, open minded enough to kind of uh, build <laughs> a bridge more than just open minded <laughs> uh, build a bridge over uh, troubled waters for him to go meet his beloved um yes. and uh, you know i guess that's this is the 15th 16th century equivalent of uh, you know a parent giving condoms to their kid as they go for a date so that's pretty nice of him so mohammed uh, kuli kutub shah then in 1591 is establishing hyderabad right yes and again like this myth follows uh, this myth really grows because uh, they say that uh, the place where charminar was built is where he first saw Bha- bhagmati Ah, right and if you believe in love at first sight is probably where he first fell in love too with her we we will never know but uh, the building of charminar or the commission to build charminar coincides with the founding of a new city and it's not like they were doing a favor or he was not like uh, really establishing a city because uh, sorry you were saying something yeah so wait just so the girl is bhagmati yes. the guy is mohammed yeah where's who's hyder like where is he coming from that's a very interesting question <laughs> yeah because this is hyderabad it's not bhagrabad you know yeah 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 it is it is named bhagnagar initially okay uh, so i think it would really follow that it's it, see you name it after someone you wouldn't want to stop naming it after that same person right so i think uh, not i think this is what has happened bhagmati's name bhagmati is not now called hyder mahal after ah. he's married to uh, mohammad kuli qutub shah and therefore Uh, the new city also has to change its change its name <laughs> so that's why from bhagnagar we call it hyderabad yeah right One. and w- th- my previous point was that uh, what i was trying to explain is that they really needed a new city golconda was just getting overpopulated and uh, it had to be across a river and prefer- preferably on the banks of a river because that was just the norm for 2000 years perhaps even before that and uh, therefore they needed a new city i fall in love with this girl why not name it after her that was the chronology fair enough thank god bhagna bhagnagar is so much better than bhagrabad yeah. one uh, <laughs> two uh, i like how hyderabad <laughs> is maybe slightly better than bhagrabad yeah. but hyderabad is much better much than hyderabad so we really happy with hyderabad yeah hyderabad hiccup doesn't make sense at all not at all so thank you mohammed kuli qutub shah for naming it hyderabad and f- more importantly for falling in love and thank you ibrahim kuli qutub shah for making sure 
for being such a cool parent yeah for be yeah for just being such a cool dad <laughs> yeah so the city is planned in 1591 and mohammed kuli qutub shah there's a quote uh, attributed to him which says that he wanted hyderabad to be quote a metropolis which would be unequaled world over and a replica of paradise itself end quote anyways we'll link we'll link all the books that we've read for this episode so if anyone wants to uh, delve right in they can um so Biryani is a very famous dish from Hyderabad sort of uh, I believe you've had it more than once. Yes. I would I would like to make the case that the best biryani does come from Hyderabad and to support that statement there is a quote from the 15th 16th centuries which says uh, there's a patriotic dilliwala who comes all the way to Hyderabad has biryani and says quote in truth no better dish is cooked anywhere throughout India. And I think I agree with him. So I think what that's just the quote nobody that's just, this is that's just the quote that's literally the quote which is just like yeah bro hyderabadi biryani is, is the, the best, best. <laughs> that's that's it i just i just wanted it to be in there to put that uh, case to rest but anyway right that's 1591 so the city of hyderabad is established uh, after this love story after this prince falling in love and uh, naming a city after her where do we go from here sort of we quickly fast forward that was a weird sound that i made that vsrs you vcrs used to when i was a kid yes i remember the days of vcrs if you don't well you missed out you, you missed, missed out. out you missed out on this very on nothing very interesting on sound. nothing you missed out on nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh we fast forward to the year 1799 yes so 1799 is a year of love as well because uh there is selection bias and we're only going to those years <laughs> where something <laughs> lovely has yeah, occurred uh, and not just that there's a selection bias on what we choose to speak to mm-hmm. about that year too because you remember we were just re- when we were reading through we just said 1799 is the year of love and war mm. and uh, we just we'll we'll really discuss the love stories from then because uh, so we will discuss the love stories first and yeah. then we will go and give you context about what wars were happening yes. in the backdrop yes um, because they actually serve as let's just say they i mean without the wars the love stories wouldn't happen wouldn't you agree maybe true i mean some love stories would happen maybe yeah. not these ones yeah yes so we are in 1799 right and what has happened is that the british resident james ackley's kirkpatrick and karenessa begum the great uh, grandniece of uh, the nizam have seen each other at karenessa begum's sister's wedding and fallen madly in love now karenessa really likes james ackley's kirkpatrick so in 1799 she convinces her mother and grandmother to take her to james ackley's kirkpatrick uh, at night for some late night rendezvous and that's where we are so here we have karenessa who at the time when she meets kirkpatrick is all of 14 years old um and uh, james ackley's kirkpatrick is actually um 36 when she marries her and she's convinced her parents like her mother and her grandmother to take her to james ackley's kirkpatrick and she meets them by night they fall in love um a year later they have a child and they get married and for the next 6 years for the next 5 years till he you know till he passes away james ackley's kirkpatrick is constantly fighting the british 
you know, first hiding his relationship, then admitting it, and then fighting off enquiries of whether of impropriety, of whether he lied to the British, and basically defending their relationship against the British, against forces, uh, you know, in the Nizam, uh, in Hyderabad, who didn't want the relationship to happen. So this is the second story we want to talk about. And who's James Ackley's Kirkpatrick? He's the British resident, right, who's come to stay from the British Empire to in the court of the Nizam, just to remind everyone that the British are here and they're the boss, right? There are these residencies all across India, right? Yeah, and I'd like to just uh, give our listeners a little bit of more information on how who these British residents were or why did the East India Company, and it is still the East India Company, even up until now. I would just like to give some perspective on who these British residents were. And uh, to quote out of John Zubrinsky's book, the princes of the independent states kept their own rules and traditions and but at the same time were independent in the name in the in the name only the larger states had british residents or political agents serving as a reminder of the power behind the throne to help them in the imperial scheme of things the british devised a complicated system of gun salutes graded according to their wealth and status the lowliest received 9 while the nizam of hyderabad and four maharajas were elevated to 21 but even that was paltry compared to the viceroy who received 31 guns and the king emperor, of course, who, who was greeted with a 100-strong volley. That doesn't matter. But uh, that just shows to us uh, how powerful a British resident was in the sense they were essentially the political agents to the throne uh, in London. Yeah. Right? So now that we've established who a British, British resident is, I think I'll let you go on. So James, James Kirkpatrick, right? comes to Hyderabad somewhere around 1795. Now, up until then, he's just been a mediocre company soldier, as they called him. But his brother is in an influential position. So with some good old nepotism, <laughs> he comes to Hyderabad. And when his brother falls sick, he has to go away. And James takes his place. And that's when he meets Karunissa during his, you know, time as a British resident there. Now, James Ackley's Kirkpatrick was uh, really successful as a British resident, and that was because he completely Indianized himself, right? Um, William Dalrymple has a whole book on this called The White Mughals about how these British residents and so many people from the East India Company were completely, uh, you know, changing their religion and, you know, Taking up dressing uh, habits, dressing habits, eating habits, uh, their lifestyle. <laughs> their lifestyle. I mean, there are some generals who, uh, you know, had their own harems yeah. and <laughs> went along, uh, were eating pan, smoking, uh, you know, uh, opium. Pipes, opium, hookah. like hookah. Yeah. It's just so they Indianized to a great extent. And James Ackley's Kirkpatrick was one of these Europeans who came to India and completely got imbibed with the Indian culture. He was totally taken. Uh, you know, he builds a British residency in Hyderabad, and it's you know there's notes which says that he goes. Uh, he has a love of mangoes, so you know he goes out of his way to get like you know the best mango seeds and plant them. So he's completely taken with India, and he's completely Indianized. He he really likes the Nizam at the time, Nizam um, Ali Khan, and completely ingratiates himself. And what this allows him to do is get a lot of treaties signed between the Nizam and the British, 
right? And the British really need these treaties because these treaties are the 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 base on which the empire is formed. These treaties between the Nizam, the different princely states, and the British, right? And Kirkpatrick does that between the Nizams and the British. Why is this important? Well, this is important because when he falls in love uh, with Caronessa Begum, and it's a scandal. It's a scandal because here's a European marrying into uh, royalty. And that's just not done. Muslim right? royalty. Muslim royalty. Now, here's the kicker. You couldn't technically marry Karanissa because she was a Syed. And you would have to be Muslim for it to happen. So at the ripe age of 36, James Ackley's Kirkpatrick undergoes a circumcision so that he can convert to Islam and marry Karanissa Begum. If that isn't love, I don't know what is. Matching tattoos, perhaps. Yeah. Right? So he... He converts to Islam, marries Karunissa Begum. There are several enquiries by the British, you know, during the whole time that he's staying with Karunissa Begum. Initially, they try to hide it, right? But then she's pregnant, you know, he really loves her, she really loves him. So they're like, all right, let's get married. They have a son, um, but for a long time, Karunissa Begum is staying with her mother and her grandmother. They meet, of course, there are lots of, well, quote-unquote, parties that happen uh, <laughs> during those times as well. They meet, of course, but they're not staying together. But eventually, James builds a new British residency with the Zanana. A Zanana is where all the ladies of, of uh, a household would stay. And uh, that's where Karen Sabega moves in with uh, uh, their children. <laughs> you know, at some point, uh, he, he, has another uh, he has another daughter. Um, so, so it's a very interesting... They're a very, uh, they're a lovely couple, and they have a very interesting first six years of marriage. Yeah, so they have, they have it. It's, it's a turbulent, it's a turbulent relationship in that they love each other, but initially there's pushback from Karunissa's family because he's European and not Muslim. Uh, but once that's overcome, there is a lot of pressure from the company because one of their, you know, officials has married. Uh, into Nizami royalty, and that's just there's no precedent. I mean, there is some precedent for that, but they don't like it very much. But How at the same time, this guy has proven himself invaluable. He right? is so, so useful. Yeah, and so they can't really let him go, and uh, he has all this power also at the same time. Yeah, and and James Ackley's Kirkpatrick, you'll notice I'm I'm not putting any titles in front of him because he's just a major in 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 the East India Company, yeah. so he doesn't have any rank. I mean, of course, uh, the Nizam puts a lot of titles on him. He's called Hashmat Jung, right, or Glorious in Battle. Like he's he's given a lot of titles by the Nizam, but you know, in the East India Company, he doesn't have a very high rank. He's just so good that he becomes... With diplomacy. A, with diplomacy, that he becomes very valuable for them. And this valuableness kind of keeps him in the job. And perhaps he even uh, uh, sort of leverages this uh, this whole thing that he's got with himself, this yeah. whole reason that he's actually... Briti why he's the best British residence, res resident possible. Yeah, and, and it's... No, and At it's least in Hyderabad. Yeah, and he also has a friend in his brother, uh, William uh, yes. Kirkpatrick, so that is definitely there. Ah, good old nepotism again. Uh, but... But, but he, we'll, we'll probably look into brotherly love. But, but true. I mean, I think the interesting part of the story for me is that, you know, anyone can fall in love, you know... Uh, with anybody. Uh, with anybody, have, you know, have sex and just, you know, uh, go away. But this guy has like five years of an official enquiry into him, you know, where he's just 
you know, he's sticking through this relationship and yeah. um and so is, sticking to this uh, and so is Karunissa Begum, mind you. Because yeah. Karunissa Begum is the one who initiates this. She gets his mother her mother and grandmother to actually have those initial few meetings where, you know, she professes his, her love for him and you know, she is very much you know the person who initiates this Ibrahim at least by some spirit sort of still lives on through her mother and grandmother pretty much like her mother and grandmother are are like crucial so it's a sharaf and nesa begum and you know her mother they are crucial to her meeting uh, you know james cook patrick and continuing eventually the relation eventually marrying her and even continuing the relationship you know later uh, you know they have a huge role in you know rearing their kids you know till they're shipped off to england so you know it's a huge role that they're playing but essentially you know they they stick it out uh, for a few years i would like to think that they had a few good a few good years at least you know they got married in about 1800 they had a, they had a kid in 1800 got married soon after um but unfortunately you know they have a they they together for a while the british residency is built which is still in hyderabad uh, hyderabad trails is walks there if uh, anyone's in hyderabad and wants to see where this place is where james atlee kirk patrick lived with caronessa for a while it would be i mean you could see it either way but it would be a nice way to uh, thing to do with hyderabad trails yes of course you could see it either way now what happens is in 1805 you know james falls ill uh, and he's on his way to calcutta we were also discussing what the life expectancy was during that time yes so uh, one discussion that we had was <laughs> james not too f- james is not too far away when he dies though yeah yeah i mean what uh, is the life expectancy though do you remember Well I think I think in the 1900s it was about 40 so I, I 1800 in the uh, in the 1900s 1800s it would have been even lesser even lesser, lesser oh, than yeah, that yeah that's what we were discussing yeah yes. so for example Karenessa dies before she hits 30 yeah. uh, uh, James Atlee Kirk Patrick obviously lives for longer um he lives till about oh yeah he lives till about 41 42 but uh, you know uh, Karenessa Begum stays um, for half that time but um Oh another interesting thing. So before they got married and at the time where Karunasa Begum is pregnant she's thinking about having an abortion. And it's interesting at the time to note that abortion was widespread, right? It wasn't haram under Islam and in some cases uh, it's been recorded that they went up to the fourth month uh, abortions. Now at the same time at the time of recording there are fetal heartbeat laws that have been passed in some states of the US where you can't have an abortion. if you detect a fetal heartbeat and that happens you know approximately at the 6 or 7 week mark so in that way <laughs> so you're saying early 18th century early 18th century laws in a muslim state in a sunni muslim state were a lot more progress in, in in the case of abortions at least were a lot more progressive than contemporary Parts laws of the US. In, <laughs> yeah in the us uh, yeah sad, sad state of affairs yeah so that's that right now it would think it would you would think it's it's a tragic end right and I, i mean in some ways it is uh, not only uh, did you know james die soon after you know he got Drama married and tragedy just go hand in hand uh, don't they yeah i mean Sadly. this one and you know what's even sadder like they had two kids and they decided that um they'd send them off to england to finish an education and they send them off to england and then james dies 
and basically Karenissa Begum never gets to see her kids again for th- and she's she's 19 when when James dies yeah and send and they send their kids away and she never sees them for the next 10 years of of their life so yeah. that's a really sad state of affairs in 1799 though there's another love story happening that we want to talk about Yes, and we'll get back to Kirkpatrick and Karenissa and all the events that are happening around their life. But we'll quickly jump to uh, another love story. Well, is it a love story? It's a collection of a few love stories. It's a collection of a few love stories and it's sort of, in Hindi, we call it Pyar Ka Izhar, which loosely translates to proposition of love. Yes. Was that a good translation? <laughs> It's decent. It's decent. <laughs> so uh, we we meet someone who's probably killing it, and that's literally that with uh, propositions. Yeah, except she's she's really not killing anyone. Yeah, yeah, which is odd because in this day and age, apparently, everyone seems to be killing everyone yes. in the seventeen hundred and seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, at least emotionally. Anyways, so. Uh, we meet a very remarkable woman, Malaka Bai Chanda. Now, Malaka Bai is a title that was conferred to her, and we'll get in a minute, and we'll have to jump to Kritath to know uh, who, who who conferred it to her. But uh, she she was named Chanda Bibi when she was born, and she was not born in Hyderabad. She was not raised in Hyderabad, but spent a very significant amount of time of her life in Hyderabad. So Malaka Bai is born in Aurangabad and we will get to the story of how she makes it to Hyderabad. But let's just say that uh, in 1799, uh, let, let me tell you that she is in Hyderabad. And while uh, James Kirkwell Patrick and Kheronissa then and after their marriage, Kheronissa Begum uh, are meeting and are having all these clandestine <laughs> meetings that Kritath, this is how Kritath puts it. So they are having all these clandestine uh, meetings aided and abetted by their mother and grandmother. What Mahalaka uh, is doing is she's probably planning for one of the greatest propositions in history. She's writing down a ghazal, a book, a collection of ghazals, 125 of them. A divan. A divan. Uh, and uh, she's, she calls it a Divane Chanda, of course. And she's not only collecting, she's not only written them and collecting them and putting them together, I'm guessing in a certain order, but she's also managed to calligraph all of those guzzles, right? And make it into a book. A book that she's going to present to someone, someone sh- whom she actually had feelings for, let's just say, at this point of time, it's certainly that. Uh, and she uh, and uh, that person is Captain Sir John Malcolm. So who is Captain Sir John Malcolm inc- incidentally, Kratarth? So uh, Captain John Malcolm is basically a part of uh, James Ackley's Kirkpatrick's. Uh, he's, he's an assistant to the British, resi- British resident. resident yeah. And he's also the one at the time the Nizams and Marathas are at war. And he's also the one leading the British contingent against the Marathas. Yeah. So that's who uh, John Malcolm is. Yeah, but uh, what, what I would like to actually think is, uh, of course, of course, of course, of course, that was a very... Three of courses. <laughs> that was a very, that was a very uh, nice introduction to Sir John Malcolm. But what I'd like to point out over here is that are we sensing a pattern? Are we sensing a pattern of British resident officers f- just falling for, or at least uh, managing to attract a lot of attention from local women, local women in power? 
Well, there's another British resident we haven't talked about, Sir William Palmer, okay. uh, which will confirm your hypothesis, yeah. which is that oh, all these British residents are coming and marrying all these Indian ar- women. Is this around the same time? Is this around the same time? It, this is a few years earlier. Okay. So, but but w- before we come to that, right? Um, in Malacca Bai's case, that's not the case at all. J- Captain John Malcolm. So the Nizams fight against the Marathas, win against the Marathas come back and there's a party right yeah. a war winning party and there's just the proposition yeah so course. malaka bai malaka bai was a, was it a wife right she was a great dancer a poet she was full of wit and humor and of course guzzles so there was a party and she was supposed to perform she was supposed to perform a song and dance and so sh- so she did and captain john malcolm was amongst the attendees uh we also have to uh, point this out to our listeners that around this time malaka is in the harem of mir alam who soon becomes the second prime minister and is the current rival and is the rival of the current prime minister aristoja aristoja but uh, we'll now stay in uh, mir alam's court with malaka dancing over there and what does malaka do she presents sir john malcolm in front of mir alam and all the other courtiers with the book now if that is not one of the greatest propositions of love ever i do not know what it is isn't Ma- it matching tattoos sort of matching tattoos yeah we're just so far behind those romantics romantics from early 19th century <laughs> and what's interesting about malaka uh, malaka bai is that apparently in in a lot of her guzzles she doesn't necessarily speak in a female voice sometimes you know she uh, she switches between voices sometimes it's the male sometimes it's female uh what's also interesting is she's both you know of course in her dances and her guzzles she's erotic but at the same time she's very pious because as you know um in molana ali uh, mola ali in mola ali yes at mola ali she's built a darga and you know her uh, the gardens and and uh, lots of structures there so she's clearly very pious and religious but at the yeah. same time when she's performing you know it's Owning, she's, she's just owning up to her sexuality and this just proves us from 200 years ago she's just giving us an example that you can do both you can be both religious and and sensuous at the sensuous same time at the same time yeah and also and proud of whoever how you feel yeah essentially and she's also a shia in a sunni court yes and 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 she's a lo- and she's loved the the uh, so her title Malaka Bai is conferred to her by the second Nizam. She's so taken with her beauty and her grace and her dance. So the first time she performs for her uh, for for him, uh, he's he confers the title Malaka on he's her. He's so enamored. He's so enamored. He confers this title and and so it literally translates to moon cheek. Um wow. uh, and I think Malaka if you uh, in if you talked about it in the present time it converts to Malika. Oh. uh so that's that's where the etymology of malika probably comes from but what's cooler about malika is that um and i like i like how uh, one book quotes her uh which says malika bai was a woman dedicated to love who never married uh which is well that's one way to go about things isn't it sort of yeah um <laughs> yeah and politically also she was an astute political player so arastuja uh which who was uh, the prime minister in the, in the nizam's court uh in 1799 uh 
was someone who discovered her right and yeah. discovered her when he was not prime minister in the nizam's court oh and he wasn't uh far du- from it <laughs> yeah and during his discovery like i mean of course uh his actions including the discovery of malaka uh, is what made him uh a viable eligible sort of candidate for uh, the nizam's prime ministership yeah and so let's let's come to arastuja in a bit but let's say arastuja discovers malaka bai yeah in aurangabad in aurangabad and then tries to get her into the nizams tries to make her a concubine of the nizam tries to get her into the nizams uh, zanana yeah now harem. Harem. Now the Nizam is completely enamored by her. Uh, she's Chanda Bibi when he meets her, and he, you know, confers the title Malaka Bai on her. But uh, so she she succeeded in that, and Aristo has Ja. I mean, I'm I'm I keep bringing her back, but let's just say he does have an eye for ta- eye for talent, right? He does. Now, however, um, he she, she does he does get enamored by her, but he doesn't quite get her into his hat. And okay. Uh, also we we have forgotten to point out that he puts her, her in Nizam's harem because right now I mean currently he's the prime minister and uh, he uses that position to sort of put her into Nizam's harem because that's one way to spy on the Nizam too. Yes, that's one way to spy on the Nizam. Now she's very close to him but she doesn't quite get into his harem mostly because the older women in the Nizam's harem do not like her and think that she could be a threat to their superiority or or their place in the harem yes. why not so harems at the t- harems at the time you know right now people have an idea that oh they were just places where people used to go and have sex now that's not true harems actually wielded a tremendous amount of political power over the nizam yeah and all the thumris that you listen to today <laughs> in classical music trace their ways back into harems of nawabs not just in hyderabad but all over india yes and harems were also in that vein you know Which centers of learning these, yeah and all these women were essentially very well educated very sophisticated they could sing they could dance and not uh, just sing and dance for the sake of uh, trying to singing and dance they were trained in classical forms of that art so these women were very remarkable women yes in when fact, education wasn't freely available yes and in fact james ackley's kirkpatrick uh, has a note that he sends to the uh, the then governor general uh, um, lord wellesley um, where he explains how power structures work in the harem and i quote among the wives and concubines of the nizam to dominate the zanana these are the Baksh- bakshi begum and tinatunnisa the former has charge of the privy purse and control of all mahal disbursements and the latter has the custody of family jewels which are valued at the lowest of 2 crores of rupees now he's explaining to lord wellesley how much measurable power they much, actually have how much power they quantifiable. have quantifiable <laughs> yes power which is quantifiable he, essentially he, he's put a number to it yeah. so these harems are very powerful and arastuja wanted to uh, get malaka bai close to the nizam so he could have an idea of what's going on within you know his dana- his zanana his private thoughts so he basically wanted her to spy on him for uh, you know uh, for spy the on him for, 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 for himself him. also too yes so now he she doesn't quite enter the harem but she does become someone uh, quite important to the nizam yes now that's one so and also there is there is significant a uh, suspicion that arastuja himself who quote unquote discovered her was also you know she had some sort of a relationship with him now it's never actually 
it's, it's, never it's ambiguous. Prevalent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's reduced. It's it's very derivative, and we'll try and steer steer clear of that though. Only because uh, we're not shying away from it. Only because there's nothing interesting that happens around yes. that love story. However, it is interesting to note that Arastuja ha- has discovered lots of people. One of another person he's discovered is Mir Alam, right? Ah. Now Mir Alam, while Arastuja is alive, first ascends the ranks as a protege, and then at some point uh, during an earlier Nizam versus Maratha war, when uh, the Nizams lose and Arastuja actually becomes prisoner of the Marathas, Mir Alam kind of tries to take the position of Arastuja in, Niz- in the Nizam's court, right? And he's a rival to Arastuja. Yes. Now, Arastuja somehow, after being captive of the Marathas for two years, uses a death, a suicide in the Maratha nobles, in the Maratha kings to his advantage. Are, to we, are we really going there though? Are we really going with, I think uh, we've Arastuja's reached that. Yes. Okay. So yeah. what happens so to this, Arastuja? This be, yeah. This, who is Arastuja? I think we should start over there. And let's just say that Arastuja in our story, you will soon find out, is the little finger uh, from Game of Thrones. And that's why he's just so interesting. Uh, he's just He's just a guy who is very well adept at playing the game. So, so Aristuja is in captivity and what happens to him, Kridat? What does he do? So, so, we, so essentially, yeah. so essentially, a king, the king is young and the regent uh, is ruling in his name. Now, the king decides that if I cannot rule, I will make life hell for this regent. And how the king decides to do this, it is a young kid, kid right? I call him king, but he's a young kid. And he decides that he'll do this by committing suicide. And so he commits suicide. And now yeah. the regent has lost all right to power. Yes. And Arastuja uses this and competing factions within the Marathas. Yeah. To con- he, he just uses this political vacuum that's created all this political instability uh, to his advantage. He talks his way out of jail. How can you do that? How can you do that? Um, but he does manage, and, and not only that, he manages to get the Marathas and Nizams together. Uh, no, he, he manages to first talk his way out of jail. He then talks his way into going back to the Nizam to make sure he's so sly, right? To make sure he keeps Mir Alam's rise in check. So I'm pretty sure he has a very good connected sort of network of spies who's reporting back to him even in jail. I don't know. All this is derivative, but he must have. So he goes back. He establishes himself. Uh, he, he estab- he's trying to now establish himself as the Diwan of Hyderabad. And uh, he knows to do that. He, he has to do something significant for the Nawab, for the Nizam, I'm sorry. Because uh, Mir Alam has sort of gained a lot of favor, right? He's gained on, <laughs> he's gained on this weird race where... Uh, uh, Aristuja, for some reason, was uh, so retired hurt. Yeah. And what he does is he manages to again talk the Marathas into ceding territory, which they had uh, conquered during the Battle of Khadla. How badass is that? <laughs> right? I mean, how good at smooth talk and diplomacy are you? So you are definitely Littlefinger, my uh, dear Aristuja, right? Yes. So I think this is a good time to point out that Arastuja in Persian uh, means, you know, Aristotle. Arist- yeah, Aristu in Persian means Ar- Aristotle, so as we were recently informed. As we were recently informed by Gopal from Hyderabad Trails. Uh, 
so he's, he's he manages to get back all the, uh, all those territories and uh, the nizam feels right now that he just has to confer something equivalent to uh, what aristoja has achieved some title and he he just offers the prime ministership to aristoja and he becomes diwan e hyderabad yes so aristoja is diwan e hyderabad people are so taken aback by the fact that he could come out of captivity and deliver a win which they couldn't get militarily yeah. that <laughs> wow yeah that people think that he's into black magic and that he's just performing some sort of black magic to to win yes um and all the while making sure that his rivals are also kept in check yeah so it is this point that mir alam from become, becoming his protege actually turns out to be his rival yeah isn't it be- because i'm just coming uh, trying to come back to the story of yes. how malaka uh, made it made her way or was put into miralam's harem harem eventually right yes so what happens is that the power vacuum that's left by rastuja uh, becoming a prisoner of the marathas so he's a prisoner for 2 years before he manages this prison break right yeah 1797 yeah to 1799 and 1795 to 1797 sure yeah. um and then in that time mir alam has established himself as a rival uh, to arastuja he's trying to take over his post he's trying to gain favor with the nizam and he's an anglophile so the Brit- so the british like him um arastuja likes the british as well so he's also an anglophile or does he we will never know <laughs> it was just convenient for him to like them of course of course probably it's 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 convenience it's not uh, genuine but either way right mir alam's trying to take over arastuja's post yeah. now arastuja's back and he's pissed at mir alam so also in part to get more more uh, information on him he tries to uh, ingratiate uh, you know malaka bai chanda where we were into mir alam's you know with mir alam and make him make her his mistress yes and and that's where our, con- our story converges yeah uh, with the earlier story that i had sort of uh, brought into light of 1799 being uh, a year of love yeah uh, and he doesn't have to try very hard mir alam is also taken aback by malaka bai chanda's beauty in fact uh, beauty grace, grace personality use his name it and you know it's it's not just during arastuja's reign that um malaka bai chanda is is on good terms with mir alam even after the second nizam dies and arastuja mysteriously dies uh soon after in 1803 and 1804 and there's a new nizam sikandar jah and uh mir alam has finally become the diwan of hyderabad even then malaka bai chanda is on good terms with, with miralam with with miralam so she she could have been spying for aristuja but she plays her cards so well and maybe she's even learned all this from aristuja yeah. you know you never know and uh, miralam inc- incidentally has also learned everything from aristuja and uh, so malaka bai is essentially sansa stark <laughs> right learning all these things up from uh, aristuja which mu- with much better dialogue which much better dialogue and uh, she manages to stay in his harem and uh, propose to someone she loves and continue staying in his harem how did she manage to do that and yes it's amazing and um some of, some of her works are translated and um 
yeah, it's 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 really amazing. So she's gone from the the second Nizam. So, so initially from Arastuja to the second Nizam to Meer Alam to Captain John Malcolm. I mean, it's yeah. And in between, I'm also told she was also taken with this uh, Maratha warrior who uh, led a six a cavalry unit of six hundred uh, men and horses for the Nizam called Raja Rao Ramharao. So uh, she was really playing it cool, man. Yeah. So this was yeah. It, it's yeah. She was good at what she did, and she. I think she fell in love so many times, and uh, you two know. times maybe. Yeah, and all the others were just political transactions or maybe power well, transactions. Well, sure, well, sure. But she's also you know. Yeah, she's she's writing poetry, and she's uh, she has to be witty because each of these men is clearly besotted by her. Exactly. Right. So. She just she's just interesting, Kritarth. Yeah, she's just interesting. Isn't that what we look wish <laughs> to her? For sure. Yeah. Uh, so that was Malaka by Chanda. So. Okay, so that's. So I think, I think that's we've just we run have. out of content to discuss. So, no, or I'm have sure. we? <laughs> or have we? <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is Malaka by Chanda, right? Now, we're gonna jump a little back, and we talked about James Ackley's Kirkpatrick. And yes. He's incidentally he's not the only British resident to have fallen in love with an Indian and you know married them. The Nizams were war were at war with the Marathas, right? And in Pune, there was another British resident, uh, General William Palmer, who had married a Begum Fez Bakshi, uh, who had married a Begum Fez Baksh. Yeah, and basically they were another uh, white Mughal. Indian, Anglo-Indian ang- couple. couple and um, they came at a time so during the late 1700s there is this trend that uh, you know British residents and a lot of Europeans are just embracing a lot of Indian culture and General William Palmer and of course the resident at Pune and James Ackley's Kirkpatrick, the resident in Hyderabad, are both doing this. They both uh, marry Indian women. They have uh, mixed race kids. They send their kids to England and <laughs> to get educated there. Um, we kind of see a little more of what happens to their kids with General William Palmer though. Now General William Palmer's son, uh, also named William Palmer, comes to- Full marks for originality. originality for the three names that they could choose from. Oh, incidentally, uh, James Ackley's Kirkpatrick's brother, William Kirkpatrick. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks for make it, it con- making it confusing, folks. Um, anyways. Wills, they were actually thinking that they were actually trying and making it convenient. Yeah, yeah. So, the younger William uh, Palmer comes to India and needs a job. And uh, General uh, William, the senior William Palmer, looks to his uh, fast-becoming friend, James Ackley's Kirkpatrick. Now, William Palmer and James Ackley's Kirkpatrick find themselves as friends because here is a British empire that's becoming more and more colonial, right? They're not liking these marriages. But, you know, these two people have Indianized. And... uh, Completely, and, and, and it's because they have Indianized that they could form such good treaties between the British and these local princely courts. Yeah, because but they just understood Indians a lot more. 
yeah uh, so like then racist governor generals yes so so for example the tradition in the nizam's court that when you meet the nizam you have to give him a nazar or you have to give him a gift right this is a small detail that you don't get if you're not completely indianized so they essentially were completely indianized the british uh, high command so as to say was not liking this uh, culture anymore but it was too late for these people right they they had indianized they couldn't do anything about it in fact james ackley's kirkpatrick and uh, william palmer wrote to william palmer that maybe it's best if we didn't go back to england because now we were here <laughs> so where am i going with this colonel william uh, general william uh, palmer is also another british european who's completely indianized has indian kids so James Ackley's Kirkpatrick is not the only one. Here is another British resident who's fallen in love with um, royalty from India, and and this happens in Lucknow, right? At uh, so he wasn't uh, always a resident at Pune. This happens in Lucknow, where uh, you know it's a melting pot of culture again. So this is happening all over the place. So that's another thing that I want to point out that it's not just James Ackley's Kirkpatrick. And weren't weren't Karanasa Begum and Begum Fazbuk's friends? Yes. So so they were actually finding solace in each other because uh, each of their camps were making uh, things very turbulent for them, f- making per- their personal lives very turbulent. So it only makes sense that they were actually friends with each other because for sh- for sure they really understood <laughs> themselves for sure more so than anybody so when uh, general william palmer is eventually dismissed as british resident because he obviously wants amicable relationships between the princely state uh, of the maratha empire and you know the british and the british don't they want to steamroll the em- the marathas right and he doesn't like that so he's eventually dismissed and he's called to calcutta and they go to calcutta via hyderabad wow and they stay at the british residency where they have james ackley's kirkpatrick and karunissa and that's where karunissa and fazbakshi begum become uh, they strike up a friendship and in fact it's such a good friendship that um years later when karunissa begum is dying uh you know james ackley's dead general palmer is gone but fazbakshi begum is by her side wow but there's another interesting story about her their son though uh general palmer and you know fez bakshi begum's uh, son, son william william palmer william uh, palmer junior let's, let's just call, call him junior <laughs> so junior <laughs> junior <laughs> so junior decides yeah. uh junior got gets a job in uh, the nizam's infantry thanks to james ackley's kirkpatrick so james kirkpatrick and william palmer are now friends james gets his son a job in infantry Hashtag nepotism. Uh, not for the first time, not for the last in the story. Maybe yes. the last. Anyways, um, he gets a job in the infantry, but at some point he realizes he can do better by by starting a bank. So he does start a bank, and it's an immensely successful bank, uh, which just goes to show that uh, kids of immigrants uh, <laughs> do way better. Anyways, so he's and and you know uh, the nizams after the the second nizam. borrow a lot from uh William Palm Jr's bank and he becomes a huge player in a lot of politics now it eventually crumbles because there's a lot of corruption with with uh, a later british resident and the bank but till that happens this william palmer is very effective in using both his british connections as well as in indian connections so he uses his british connections in you know 
he's not backed by the British in any way or form, but he kind of appears to be backed by the British. He's just a good banker. He's just a good banker and he can sell the fact that he's supported by the British and sometimes when a deal doesn't go through with like an Indian prince, he can use his uh, his knowledge of Zananas and a network of women in the Zananas to sweeten the deal, to kind of get more information so that the deals go through. So he's yeah. a very efficient, very ruthless banker. Uh, and does, yeah, and does very well for himself until, you know, he doesn't and the bank fails. But That's a whole different story again, which we may have to cover in f- future episodes, which is a very fascinating story. We keep saying that, but we <laughs> keep rambling on uh, because yes. these stories are just so interesting and engaging. And uh, we just, uh, of course, the stories are available in all these sources. But what we'd li- why, why we are doing this podcast is, or perhaps uh, taking this podcast this way is only because... They, to provide you with our perspectives and perhaps uh, you will have your own discussions and then perhaps we can get together and record more episodes like these. At the next live event where our, we won't have any technical difficulties. Yeah, no screw-ups. Yeah. So uh, I think those are, our, those are our stories. Yeah, those are our stories. Those are our perspectives. Those are... This is... Express, whatever, whatever we've written in front of us from which we sort of... Uh, literally recited out sometimes uh, is what we discussed what me and Kritar discussed and we thought we'll document it we are the medium of spoken audio e- entertainment and uh, we suddenly knew that we actually hosted something called a podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we thought why not make use of our subscription didn't we Kritar? yes so those were our stories um, yeah. love stories from Hyderabad I'm just saying that in case our listeners are wondering why our podcast is going this way this was a podcast that just spoke to interesting people. But uh, I think it's more about instra- interesting conversations that we ha- have. In, in, a, in a way, we did speak to interesting people. Uh, they just all happen to be dead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that's, that's our podcast. Yeah. Uh, this episode. Um, this was a little different. So uh, do write into us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing we have to discuss, though, Kritatha, don't we? Uh, we just want people to write to us. Uh, of course, HyderabadHikup at ProtonMail.com. We link that. Uh, you can maybe email us. And if it's a little too obsolete for you or uncool for you, uh, <laughs> the more hip or hipper audiences may perhaps even try and DM us on Instagram. Uh, we are Hyderabad.Hikup. Is that our handle? That's our handle. Yeah. Uh, you will find the Chamina Sepia waiting for you. Uh, hit on the follow button and... We can let us let us know what you thought about this episode and whether you want to hear more about Hyderabad history. Um, uh, because we would certainly love to document all our discussions. Would yeah, we? for sure. So that's been our episode. That's our Valentine's Day special episode. We've told you some love stories from Hyderabad. We hope you liked it. I'm Kritarth. And I'm sorry when this was Hyderabad ish- ishk for you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>